This whole damn world can fall apart. Be okay, follow your heart. You're in harm's way. I'm right behind. What what's after that? I don't know. Oh man, okay. <laughs> <laughs> is that is that the song? Is that Yeah. <laughs> I, I literally I just remember that playing all the time when I was a kid. And I, I hate that song. <laughs> yeah. I, you know what? I think um, this might age me a bit. Let, let me just get in saying Dalton Pruitt is joining me for Court Castle. Hi, how's it going? Yeah, howdy. <laughs> so uh, the um, I think that at the time when the video came out, this video was in high rotation and uh, – you know, back then, I think music videos were way more of a big deal than right. than they became shortly after. Yeah, I mean, so that's probably I mean, why I know when, the, when did that album, the album came out, maybe like the year I was born, I guess, because I definitely wasn't around when the video dropped. But right. I do remember that song playing a lot just on radio and on MTV, even when I was growing up. And it's one of those things that just got can, can played you say, so can you much to the people listening who don't know what we're talking about. Oh What's yeah, yeah, yeah. Today, so today was the inauguration, and the whole world waited with bated breath for the new radicals to perform after 22 years, and they performed their big hit "Get What You Give." And I ne- I didn't understand why anyone was excited for that because I was like, this band fucking sucks. <laughs> I, I, I hate that song. <laughs> <laughs> I was more excited to see Garth Brooks. <laughs> Did he perform too? He sang Amazing Grace at the oh, inauguration. Man. Oh man. He should have done one of his hits. He I would have loved that. He because JLo was also there, and I would have loved to him be, change it to I've got friends in JLo places. <laughs> that's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's absolutely perfect. Yeah. I was going to say something like the dance or something. Like, nah, wanna... It's got to be J-Lo places, dude. Missed opportunity from old G. <laughs> J-Lo places. It, the, I don't know what else can apply to that. Uh, any perfect, any more perfect than what you said. <laughs> it feels like we were all hoodwinked because they announced this big lineup. Mm-hmm. Maybe I just wasn't paying attention because I thought the new radicals and all of them we're going to perform live, but it was the only people that performed live were Lady Gaga, J-Lo and Garth Brooks. Everything else was virtual. Wow. Do you remember, do you you remember um, the, the Obama inauguration Beyonce performed? Vaguely. I was in band class at the time. And I just remember being excited that we all stopped playing music to do something else because <laughs> I don't know if you ever took high school marching band, but they cracked the whip, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Those band directors don't fuck around. It's well, I watched, uh, I watched, uh, what was that movie with, um, with J. Jonah Jameson? Um, Whiplash? Whiplash, yeah. Yeah, it's, it, not that, like it's not that extreme, but I do remember our band directors like screaming at us a lot. Mm. To the point where, like, I look back on it and that it was crazy because it's still a school <laughs> and you just see these big fat guys, veins popping out of their heads, yelling about what, what you know, octaves and <laughs> being, you know, in step. It was it was weird. 
<laughs> so, um, I just want to ask for the forgiveness of the nerds who I called J.K. Simmons, J. Jonah Jameson. Just want to go back there and say I acknowledge that I said his character from something else he was in. Oh, but what are you going to do? I mean, that's that's how not, everyone knows him. Now, everybody, now everybody's going to come after my throat. Listen, you called J.K. Simmons from Whiplash, J. Jonah Jameson. Yeah, when I when I think of J.K. Simmons, I have to like work back. I gotta go. I at first I go J. Jonah Jameson. Wait, no, it's J.K. Simmons. <laughs> and then you go, you go. Wasn't he in that We Are Farmers commercial? Bum, yes. Bum, 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 bum. And he was also in a show that no one watched that I really enjoyed. It was on the Stars Channel. It's a show called Counterpart, and it's about uh, uh, parallel universes. Wow. It was really cool. It was like a spy thriller between these two parallel Earths, like espionage between the two universes. Earthpionage. Yeah, dude. <laughs> no, I, I've never, never heard of it. I, Nobody I, watched. I never had. Well, I never had that channel. I never had stars. That's a. That's yeah, a, me, ne- like, me neither. I just found it on Amazon. Like it's on Amazon Prime now, and I, it, I read the description. I was like, this sounds right up my alley because I was a big fan of sliders. Remember sliders? No. You remember sliders? I remember oh. it existing, but I never saw it. Dude, Sliders Rocks. It's a sci-fi show with uh, Jerry O'Connell and mm-hmm. him and this ragtag crew uh, oh, somehow dude, find them. you got to have a ragtag crew. You got yeah, it. yeah. It's like him. Uh, uh, there's kind of crew to have. Yeah, there's no other kind of crew. It's all. It's just a bunch of misfits every time, mm-hmm. you know, no yeah. matter what you're watching. Well, I mean, that they came up with that, that phrase before they made tagless shirts. <laughs> yeah, now, dude. Now, now you got, now you're just a rag no tag crew. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Uh, sliders, go ahead. Oh no, I'm just I'm a big fan of any story that involves uh multiple universes. Are are you super uh, into Rick and Morty? Yeah, yeah, I like that show. I'm super into Rick and Morty as well. That was a part of the reason. I mean, did you follow Capital Wrestling? No, I, I, I did. I, I, I got to be honest with you. I don't know that much about wrestling beyond okay. when I get drunk and watch like Mankind highlights. Okay. Well, I was all, I was also thinking of wrestling when you talked about the New Radicals because that was the group that Chris Benoit was in. in <laughs> <laughs> I do know that. I do know about him. Yeah. The Radicals? What? <laughs> Chris Benoit? Yeah. But, yeah. Um, I, was, I was also thinking today about... Uh, <laughs> The the his nickname, his nickname Chris Benoit was the Rabid Wolverine. Like, really, they they would go with oh, the Rabid Wolverine, Chris Benoit, the Canadian Crippler. Like that was like his <laughs> his monikers. I'm like, and they go like, oh, he went crazy because of steroids and CTE. No one is talking about how he had rabies all this time, and we were not talking about that. That didn't make him go crazy. So you it think was it, rabies, was rabies? it was rabies that did it? It was rabies that did it. Yeah. Was there, was, there ever, was there ever a wrestler who was also like an animal that could have played that and been like, I'm the one who gave Chris Benoit rabies and made him kill his family? And you'd have to explain to people that rabid meant that you have rabies. Yeah. Yeah, to, like, to a wrestling oh, audience. Yeah. <laughs> wrestling audience would be like, oh, I thought you said rabbit. A rabbit and a wolverine. You get them yeah. together. He's bouncy. He's bouncy and he's stabby. Yeah. 
Isn't there's a wrestler that has like a snake on his hand? He's oh like yeah, a, yeah, Santino. Santino, yeah, he's the one that made Crispin walk kill his family. He's a, <laughs> a snake charmer. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's like the, the cobra. He would do this move where he would like hit his wrist and then hit his elbow and then turn his wrist around and then the snake was on on his. Um, he had like a sock with the snake on it. Yeah, and he'd like stab you in the in the neck with it and. And it was like you got you got attacked by the cobra. Yeah, because I, I used to go over to like friends' houses and they would be watching wrestling and I would see that and be like, "Come on, guys, what are we what are we doing?" <laughs> well, well, I'm cur- I'm curious about like what your what your thoughts like when you say you get like wasted and watch like mankind highlights. <laughs> there, so. Um, there, there is some, so I think wrestling in like kind of exists in ebbs and flows in terms of popularity. Mm-hmm. Cause when I was in high school, wrestling was this like, and I grew up in like a small town in Texas. And even there at that time, if you were big into wrestling, like all the guys I knew that had like triple XL John Cena shirts, they were also, you know, they had to go to their own class. You know, they were separated from the rest of, you know, they, it was like, it was kind of like a, you know, either white trash or just autistic <laughs> who liked it. But, uh, those, but you know, those my people, dude. I know, I know. Look, I'm aware. <laughs> but I feel, I feel like wrestling had more of a uh, an appeal, like in the '80s. Mm-hmm. It was big, like Dusty Rhodes, and then you had the Attitude Era. And then when I was in high school, it had kind of gone out of favor, and I never right. thought much of it. And it seems like it's like becoming popular again especially yeah. with like smaller uh promotions popping up like um who uh you mentioned they're not called capital anymore right catalyst, uh, catalyst. That, that's what they're called now but i mean when i was there it was capital i i'm not there anymore so. yeah I, th- I think you're seeing more and more independent promotions pop up which i do mm-hmm. like because i always i always like more punk rock stuff anyway but you know um, when I was doing comedy in Dallas, a ton of my friends who were older than me that grew up during the attitude era were trying to get me into it. And they were showing me all this like attitude era stuff. And I'm like, Oh, this is way better than the, you know, well, the stuff I've seen. <laughs> Two things. The reason I asked you about watching capital was because my character at capital always had an alternative universe version of me. Take all the moves. Like I'd have an alternative version of me, like get beat up. And it would be an alternative universe version of me. It would just be somebody else in the same gear as me. I'd just give somebody my other pair of tights. And they would wear Corey Castle tights and say, oh, that's the alternate universe where Corey Castle is a black dude. Oh, that's the alternate (laughs) universe where Corey Castle is a lady. That's the alternate universe where Corey Castle's Grey Wolf. You know what I'm saying? It would always be somebody else playing the alternate universe, me. But we couldn't touch each other because of time cop rules. Where if two two uh, matters of the same existence uh, try to exist in the same space, they'll explode. Right. So I didn't yeah. want to explode. So we always make sure if alternate universe version of me got in the ring, we didn't ever touch each other. We'd always make a point to be like, oh, oh don't touch me. Right. So, That's but, cool, though. Are you, so you're a big fan of uh, the multiverse? Yes, yes, yes. All right, cool. So, so we're we're right on the same page talking 
talking about that sort of stuff right off the right off the bat. Oh yeah, dude, I love that shit. Do you read comic books at all? I don't. I okay. I, I was a I was a I was a white trash sped kid, as you would say. Okay. <laughs> so, so, I John Cena wasn't a thing when I was in high school because I'm I'm a bit older than you, but uh, <laughs> the. The kids all that wore the Stone Cold Steve Austin shirts were also in the same hallway as me, right? Because of my because of my learning disability that I had. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't have anything against <laughs> wrestling or the fans thereof. I, right. right no. I I just remember in high school it was a thing that you would be ashamed of for liking. It was like not something that was popular at the time. Mm-hmm. Well, so, so you're uh, you're really interested in chasing this popularity, huh? No, no, no. I was. <laughs> it was also like my dad. Like if I ever tried to watch it, he would get mad. He'd be like, "Shit's fake," and I'm like, I mean, "Yeah, it's scripted, but it's athletic." And he'd be like, "Turn this shit off." <laughs> so, well, I mean, um, it kind of sticks in my mind as a thing my dad got mad at me about. Well. As a comedian, as a comedian, like the way that comedy is a craft, like right. you, you have to apply the craft to build a set to, to do that set. And you, you have a chunk and you find your, you, you find your, your tight, your tight sort of bit. That's exactly what wrestling is. Like, right. That's what we're doing. But like we're doing it in a what appears to be a more violent way, and to say what appears to be more violent doesn't mean that it's not also violent because everything hurts like a mofo. Oh yeah, that I also I think yeah because I think when I was a kid, um, it like when the news broke that it was all scripted, the word that was being used instead of scripted was fake, mm-hmm. and so I think that had convinced a lot of us that all of it was fake. I don't, I don't know. I remember there being like this feeling that nobody was even getting hurt <laughs> or something. Right. Yeah. That's, that's impossible. <laughs> you're that's right. Impossible. You're right. But, but it's like, I think the reason that wrestlers myself included would get offended by hearing the word fake is because you would think that everything about wrestling, including the wrestlers themselves are fake people. And they're not right. They dedicated their life to something that means nothing. (laughs) And that's, that's that, that would offend me. That would offend my brothers that offend us. We we've given our lives for this and you're saying it doesn't mean anything because you can blow it off by saying the word fake. And then people will hear it. Like you said, you heard your dad say it's fake. And then you didn't watch it. Like you're saying we are that easily dismissible thing. We, who we are, who we've dedicated our lives. I'm, I'm not saying that. My dad no, is. But I'm saying, no, but I'm saying, but you're, you're, you're sub- subjected to, subjective to uh, be influenced by somebody who would say something like that. So that just blows off. You know what I mean? That, that, makes, right. that fits it into a, car- a category of something that doesn't matter when it fucking matters a lot to me. You know what I mean? So uh, that's probably why. And also we had to protect the business back in the day, but I mean, that was before I was around. Well, I mean, it was kind of protected when I was, when I was first around, but if somebody would say fake to you, you'd have to hurt them. 
Right. Wasn't the, the preferred term is kayfabe, correct? Right. Yeah. Okay. It was, it was the business was protected. Yes. Cause I, I remember, yeah, the, cause the, that the word kayfabe is like very inside of the world of wrestling. I don't think a lot of people know that. And then when, when the news broke that all the events were scripted, they weren't saying scripted or that they weren't, the language that was being used was fake. So I think that got a lot of us, to a lot of kids who probably would have grown up with wrestling turned, turned away from it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I, I honestly do think that like, you'd probably be into it. Like you said, you, you found some stuff and you're like, that's pretty cool. Um, we, we did a, we did a podcast, uh, a pilot podcast. Um, we, we recorded it for gas digital and it was like, it was like me, Matt Marin, Harry Turjanian, Ash, all trying to show like the most fucked up things of wrestling to somebody who was just brand new to being a wrestling fan. So we show them like angles where like this was really racist or like this, they, they try to pull off like a abortion angle. They try to pull off a necrophilia angle, a, a rape angle, like all that, all these like controversial weird things and like listen into him reacting to them. Like right. seeing him off for the first time, but I don't. I don't think it ever went anywhere or did anything. But it's still, still a cool idea for a podcast. Yeah, yeah. I, I wish I was more. For, I because I I tried to get Matt Marin to maybe hop in on this because I don't know shit about wrestling. But um, I'm happy to talk to you, and I I know that that's your profession. I just it's not. I mean, it's it's something I do. It's not who I am. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, right. I've, I've separated myself from taking the, the, I've taken all so personally thing. I'm, I'm more about like, I have so many other things that mean just as much to me. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, like I'm more about the comedy and I'm more about the podcast and I'm more about the, the enjoyment and the compassion and the friendships that I, that I, get and the connections that I make and the resources that all mean as much to me as like what the last big chunk of my life being in the, the sport of professional wrestling. Right. Yeah. I'm kind of the same. I'm not by no stretch. Have I ever professionally been a comedian? (laughs) I've just been doing it for seven years, but I'm I'm at a point, especially in the pandemic, it kind of made me realize how much of my, uh, time i was spending just isolated from everybody working on stand-up mm-hmm. and i i still you know i love comedy i'll do it forever but i do find that what i care more about is just like yeah building connections with people hanging right. out doing right, fun yeah. shit <laughs> right right it, it you know i i for sure i i do not tell somebody i go hey good to meet you i'm a comedian i never say that i'm a comedian like it's just on my bio because that's the thing i do but i'm not out here saying that i make a living off of doing it or i'm I'm a professional comedian but it's it's a major part of like what i love so uh (laughs) yeah when it comes to you doing comedy how do you normally build a set? Do you usually do like stuff? You try stuff on open mic. Do you then like memorize an entire set and do it have to do word for word? Or do you kind of like riff on some stuff? What, I try to stay, method? I try to stay loose because 
I find that if I, cause I'll, I, you know, it depends. Sometimes I'll write out like my thoughts or I'll just do bullet points or whatever, but I just try to stay loose. Cause if I try to stick to something word for word, or if I'm too focused on the wording the same way, like if I was to focus on like a stand up set, the way I would focus on like writing an essay or something, I won't be entirely present on stage. Mm-hmm. So I just try to stay as loose as possible while still having kind of an idea of what I want to say. And then just riff it out enough times to get a feel for it. But I'm not, yeah, I'm not somebody that sticks to a script really. I don't, I'll have sets, but I, if something happens that derails it, like if I have a heckler or if I decide I want to do crap, like I'm, I like to be able to weave in and out of stuff, you know? it's not so much about the material for me as it is about just being present in that moment and just being funny for however long I'm on stage. Could you perhaps give me some tips? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, here's the thing. I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll throw at you what the issue I'm facing currently is. Well, I mean, of course we can't really do comedy as much anymore because of global pandemic, but uh, I fall in the, I'll write a set, like uh, not word for word, but I'll go, here's the bullet points. Here's where I want to go. And I'll write that set out on like a, on like an index card. And I'll like keep doing it over in my head as I'm, as I'm looking at the index card, put the index card away, go to hold a microphone and have to look at the card again, <laughs> you know? Right. So uh, I, I was thinking about that because I, didn't carry notes on stage for too long. It was Mm -hmm. maybe only like my first six months in comedy when I was, and that was just nerves. But then once I got comfortable on stage, I didn't really need to bring notes up with me anymore. Mm -hmm. And I do think uh, part of that is just from being in band in high school for seven years and having to memorize music, like intricate pieces of music that by the time I started just doing sillies on stage, I was like, I I got this. I know how to, I used to have to memorize like sheets of music. So I don't know, take marching band for several years. No, I <laughs> tip tip. Take marching band, everybody. I mean, h- how long have you been doing stand up? I, I, I did my first open mic in like 2008. Oh, so wow. I for sure haven't been doing stand up. I don't want to say that I've been doing stand up that long, but uh, off and on because I like would be like, oh, well, wrestling's more important to me right now, or this is more important. So I would like, like, take long breaks. So I don't want to say that I'm that seasoned at all, but I think I started taking it seriously like 2016. So uh, I'm, I'm going to say four years, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I have any tips because everybody's so different, you know, like, <laughs> um, and I, I'm still trying to like find, whatever the find my voice <laughs> i never understood that phrase i mean it's just like you know you get older and wiser and have different opinions but yeah find my voice because i i mean i remember i've seen you know huge comics here in the city like i went to the cellar like a year and a half ago and louie dropped in and he was he had his notes on stage with him so the, i don't think there's anything wrong with bringing your notes on stage as long as you're not like looking down at them the entire time yeah yeah that drives me up the fucking wall when someone 
because if you do have your notes on stage, I, I would say put them somewhere. Don't just hold them in your hand. Right, put them right, right. Pool, or if there's a piano rested mm -hmm. on the piano, you know, that now, way. You very, very rarely do you see a piano on stage at an open mic. I'm I'm remembering fondly the the now uh, R.I.P. to the creek in the cave. You know, right. did you ever go there? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. I mean, just to, just did open mics there, but I, yeah. I mean, I the 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 stage was different. Like it was in the basement, like the cold ass basement. Um, but there was a piano. Was there a piano in that there room? Oh the yeah, there's the yeah. stage. Okay, okay, yeah. All right. Yeah. I forgot. Normally, I would associate piano with like classy like a candle and like a lounge singer sort of the at the creek in the cave <laughs> um yeah i mean yeah it's fine to have your notes on stage it just it drives me up the wall because i see people who are like such good writers mm -hmm. but who are too in their own head about the wording of it and they stare at their phones the entire time they're on stage and, or they just have their phone in their hand and that's so for me, for me personally, that's so distracting to me mm -hmm. because it doesn't feel like they're performing for the audience. It feels like they're just um, working shit out or whatever, which I guess is the point of an open mic. But it, yeah. dri it drives me crazy. Well, <laughs> it it feels like you're not connected. I think the idea behind what you're doing, and I think the same thing with like acting. Acting, the way you, the way you do it is that like you're not acting. You're making sure it seems like you're having a spontaneous conversation with somebody or you're saying thoughts that you're actually having. If you're looking at your phone, you're like, oh, this is a thing I'm saying. I'm saying a thing. I'm reciting a thing. If you're just saying something on stage, then you're then it's like you're saying it for the first time. We want it to appear as if we're saying it all for the first time, like for an audience who's there to uh, to have a night out that they haven't gotten all week. Right. Yeah, yeah, it's supposed to feel like a yeah, like you're saying it for the first time, which right. is yeah. which is tough because right. you've said it a million times by the time you're on a show. Um, I'm trying to think. There was a there was a line at, from a TV show that stuck with me that I apply to kind of anything I do. Actually, it was this. It was a show. I don't know if a lot of people watched it. It was on Amazon Prime a couple of years ago. Uh, with uh, it's called Undone, and uh, Bob Odenkirk I, is in I it. I love that show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've watched so, it. I've watched it a few times. Yeah, yeah. And so there's that line when he's trying to help her figure out her powers, and he goes, "Try, but don't try, but also try." And that's kind <laughs> of how I feel about everything you do. It's like you have to. It's like that thing where, like, um, like with with, with like trying to pick up chicks, where you you. You can't give too much of a fuck. Uh, mm -hmm. You have to give just enough of a fuck to talk to them. <laughs> well, you yeah, know? Did, you, did you see? Did you see the new season of Cobra Kai? Yes. When he, when uh, he was trying to write her back that long message on her face, like in response to her Facebook thing. Yeah. And the kid was like, "Don't write all that. What do you, don't 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 say all that. Just say like something short." And then, like. That's what that's what'll mean. She'll she'll bite into it more if you like give away it. <laughs> something yeah. I said. Something I said to Lucas. Uh, I don't know. Do you know Lucas? Twitch. Twitch. No. no. Okay. No. Whatever. <laughs> he's a, he's a, he's at uh he's like he's um does stuff with Zach and wrestling, but um I 
I said, don't lead with your damage. Like, oh yeah. <laughs> he had like, he had like on his Tinder profile that was like, I'm sorry if I'm exposing your Tinder profile, Lucas. <laughs> he had his, on his, on his profile. He was like, uh, on the autism spectrum Tourette's I'm like, don't, don't tell them all that. Myers-Briggs, like, INJP, all that. <laughs> right. Don't, don't, don't say all that. Like leave something, leave something for them to want to find out. Yeah. First rule of show business, leave them wanting more. Right. I always so, recommend to anyone who wants to do anything uh, creative or artistic is you, you kind of have to like, you, you have your main focus. Uh, and I think it's a good thing to also seek out uh, things you like and absorb them. I find that with anything creative reading is probably the best way to get better at anything you're doing just because of the way it like opens up your, your mind. You know, I sound like an elementary school teacher. No, you're, you're absolutely, you're absolutely right. Because you there, put yourself in a different physical space and a different like emotional space because you, you've escaped into the page of this. It's not like flashing lights and colors and, and st it's like, you have to like really wrap your imagination around comprehending these words and building yeah. the story the story like the story appearance in your brain just off of what they're telling you yeah yeah and i'm always impressed when because i never I, I you know there's certain books or whatever that are uh promoted as being hilarious very few times in my life i've ever been reading something and laughed i'll be i'll be i'll think in my head oh that was clever I'm always really impressed when like a writer is able to put a joke on the page that actually makes me laugh. And I think mm -hmm. if you can do that, if you're able to write something down and it's funny, then you're, I mean, that's gold right there. Learn how to do that. But that's tough for anybody. That's, that's two, two authors, two people whose books made me laugh out loud like that. Uh, Chris Jericho, Chris Jericho's books. He, he has a way about about his uh, the the way he tells a story on the books is is it's just as casual as us chatting and it's 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 something I like and something I have laughed at and uh Pete Holmes Pete Holmes book really um, yes Pete Holmes book made me laugh out loud a couple times really I'm trying because I I'm trying to think what made me there's certain authors that do get to me I think like Somebody like George Saunders is a really good comedic writer. David Sedaris, his essays are pretty funny. Um, I cheated and I listened to the audiobook for Norm's book, but that's hilarious. <laughs> I mean, that, if you want a funny book, was it the uh, the memoirs or whatever? Yeah, based on a true story, yeah. by Norm Macdonald. That that might be the hardest I've laughed like reading a book, even though I listened to Norm read it, it was, it was really funny. I have it. I have it on my wish list and I've never, never pulled the trigger on that one. It's, but. it's, I, I mean, I had the audio book, but just getting to listen to Norm for 10 hours is a treat. <laughs> it's, it's really enjoyable. Um, yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, I do. I do think like reading a lot, just, uh, it allows you to gain perspective on a lot of things. And, enlighten yourself in a way where you have more to talk about and you also learn from reading a bunch of different stuff like 
economy of language. I've read giant books and I've read small books. And I got to be honest, I, I think I get more out of like a 300 page book versus a, a 1200 page book. I think learning how to say a lot in fewer pages in fewer time is mm-hmm. a, a very uh, valuable thing to learn because well, I see comics go on stage and I, I know where the joke is and what they're trying to say, but they just have too much fat around it you know there's a there's a documentary i'm a huge comedy comedy uh documentary nerd uh and there's this comedy documentary uh called called uh i am comic directed yeah, by yeah i've watched Brady. some of it uh <laughs> there's a part where jeff foxworth is doing like a jay leno impression where he goes if you if you're if you're telling a story and you go bibbity 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 boop, but you know, and then you bibbity 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 boop, you want to you want to cut out some of them bibbities and get to the bibbity boop bibbity boop bibbity boop. <laughs> and I quote that all the time. Yeah, but it, the the cool ass thing was like I, I wanted to mention it like because I know I know you're you're a comic and also a podcaster. Yeah, the 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 way I approach that is like. I listen to the kind of I listen to podcasts that I want my podcast to be like the kind of podcast I listen to. So like engulf yourself in what you're inspired by. Like if, right. if you're if if you're listening to this podcast and it sounds like inspired by this or this or this or this, it probably is. <laughs> you know what I'm yeah. saying? Like there's yeah, a, of course an element of take every take every like nugget from it like that's the the same with the where the mala beads like I'll, I'll be like it's it's supposed to you're supposed to repeat your you're supposed to repeat your mantra each each bead you count or whatever you just go through and keep repeating your mantra kind of like a, a like a rosary where you do a prayer right. for each bead but instead i'll i'll use it where i'll just like take each bead and count it as a thing that i'm grateful that is in my life like I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm grateful that I have my home. I'm grateful that I have my mom, my brother, my sister, like the dog. Every every everything is a, another thing to be grateful for. So in that finding all the things to be grateful for, find all the things that inspire you to to like be more of what you want to be. Find things that you want to be like and be those things. Yeah, for sure, man. That's why, you know. I actually think I I feel like I might've contradicted myself because at first I said, yeah, just be loose, man. And then I said, but also don't use too many words, you know, trim the fat. It's like, it goes back to what I said, try, but don't try, Try, but also try. try, But but yeah, it's it's a hurry up and wait thing. It's it's the same exact thing. Yeah. Um, I tell you what really inspired me recently. That's got me like completely rethinking the way I approach things. Um, are you familiar with Fran Lebowitz? No. Oh my God, dude. I, I had never heard of her until like a few months ago. Somebody posted a clip of her, uh, just critiquing like the way there's too many artists now. She said, there's too many people doing shit. Not enough people that I'm paraphrasing, but she was just saying that not enough people are critical anymore because the audiences have gotten dumber. And I'm like, yeah, I agree. And the, I, di- I didn't realize, I think it was in promotion for the, the Netflix doc that just dropped about her. Um, mm-hmm. 
fin- fantastic documentary series, it's by the called. way. Mark, it's called Pretend It's a City, directed by Martin Scorsese. So it's beautiful. <clears throat> yeah. it's just all these beautiful shots of New York and these big concert halls. Um, but it's all about Fran Leibowitz, who uh, is a, a writer who doesn't really write anymore. She wrote these two collections of essays in the 80s, uh, Metropolitan Life and Social Studies. And they're wonderful collections of essays. And then she's just had writer's block for the last like 40 years. Mm-hmm. But now she's kind of, they, I guess because she considers herself more of a writer, she goes on these public speaking tours, but she's pretty much a comedian. Like you, you hear mm-hmm. on stage and she's hilarious and hilarious in a way I appreciate because it's also, it is kind of like artsy fartsy smart stuff, but just so witty that artsy fartsy smartsy. Yeah, because I see people try to be like that in Brooklyn, but they just come across as condescending. She seems to have, like bridge the gap between being like super smart while still being like relatable in a way. It's it's but I That's would recommend hell, dude. That's very inspiring. Yeah, I recommend that documentary and all of her work to everyone right now because that completely has changed the way I look at like kind of everything. I was she is wonderful. <laughs> I mean, I think, yeah, I, 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 I think it's, so, she has so many insightful things to say about just the world of art in New York and writing and speaking and everything. And I, I, if you want my advice, just watch that docuseries because that, <laughs> that really helped me recently. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm going to fully check it out. I mean, I think, and honestly, that's kind of, I almost want to find that, that, that medium there like the between between like motivational speaker and comedian but like i don't know it's like i know in my comedy i can pepper in things that were would be applicable for you to be inspired and that's what i kind of want to do so Oh, it was inspiring to me. For right. anyone else, it would be a demotivational thing. Like she's very critical, but it just inspired me a lot. Right. Um, but I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Um, what you're talking about is tough because comedy is like very cynical by nature. So yeah. I don't know how you're gonna inspire anybody with comedy. Well, I try to put like little messages in in the jokes where it's like it's not that bad. Like, <laughs> like it's like, you're doing great. Accept the compliments. You're doing great. What? Like, kind of like what, um, uh, who just posted that? Who just had that special called you're doing? It's like, you're great. Uh, Tom Papa. He just had that special. On oh Netflix yeah. Where it's like, you're fine. Like I, I kind of have that, those messages sort of peppered into my sets. Yeah, I mean, what you're talking about, very few comedians have been able to do. I mean, you got guys like maybe Richard Pryor, Louie, well, Carlin, maybe not. He was more of a we're all fucked kind of guy. But there are a few guys who were able to like. I think Pete Holmes is like that. I think Pete Holmes. Yeah. uh, John Mulaney somewhat. Mike Rubiglia somewhat. uh, But it's like. It's like I want to be over the club scene before the club scene has even found me. 
You know what I'm oh, saying? Oh, I know tons of comics like that, man. Right. I mean, I don't know. The clubs, I mean, if you want to talk about clubs, clubs no, are notoriously bad throughout the country. There's very few good comedy clubs. Most clubs will fuck you, especially mm-hmm. when you're starting out. Maybe here, are you, you're in New York, right? I'm in Philly. You're in Philly. Okay. Yeah. Actually, you have good clubs out there. You got like Helium and maybe Punch that's line. it. What else is there? Punchline? Yeah. Yeah. So you actually have some like, good clubs uh yeah, here in new york there's great clubs they're just so hard to like get your foot in the door right but when i when i was living in dallas you know the big club out there hyenas uh and i'm grateful that i got to you know work with headliners as a, you know i was an mc and if i'd stayed i'd probably be a feature by now but i moved up to new york but you know you get booked you know i was maybe like a year or two into comedy when i got my first mc spot and i thought i was just so grateful to be getting to perform that I didn't even think about how much I was getting fucked. Cause I had to drive. This is, this is the Dallas Fort Worth area. So let's say you live in Fort Worth, but then the Dallas club wants to book you. A lot of people don't know this, but Dallas and Fort Worth are about 60 miles from each other. So it's an hour drive. Mm-hmm. And so I was living in Fort Worth and I'll get booked for Dallas. I got to drive 60 miles for the shows that night and then go home and then do it again. Two more nights. So it's five shows all together over the weekend. One show Thursday, two shows Friday, two shows Saturday. And at the end of all of that, you make a hundred bucks, not per show for the entire weekend. (laughs) Um, I have to say, Dalt, (laughs) this is exactly what wrestling is. I, Oh yeah. I've I've heard of the parallels been saying I all day. I've been having the conversation where I talk about the amazing amount of, pay to playness that is involved with anything I go to do currently. So I've been doing wrestling. Um, I'm a re- well-respected vet in the business. However, uh, I can go, I can go travel to South Jersey and, and, and not get paid, or I can travel to Delaware and get paid $50 that takes my entire, my entire Saturday away from me. So I could be earning, I could be earning more than that at a job, but I'm such a mark for myself for being in a main event spot. I'm such a mark for myself for getting the title and having the big push and, and like creating these memories for these people because these people are going to take this home with them and, and they'll talk about it for years and years to come in their lives. And like somehow I'm more of a mark for that than I am for like, oh, dude, I'm risking my body. I'm risking my body over and over and my health and my and like my brain, my brain health. Like the you, I don't know if you've ever heard of the, the bump card theory. Bump card theory. Yeah. So like we like it's like, a you know, like a loyalty card. At a at a uh, like a like a sandwich shop. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Punch card that. In, in the theory is everybody's got a bump card, and you can only punch the holes in it so many times. So, like the amount of times you fall, you can only do that for so long before Uh-oh. you. So you're saying if I overdose again, I get a free sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> I used to make the joke. <laughs> I never like did it on stage, but I make the joke just to my friends and family where uh, my, uh, I hope my, my siblings don't get upset with me for this, but I would say 
my my dad's the my dad's other other wife uh she had so many abortions that they gave her like a punch car <laughs> the abortion <laughs> <clinic>. <laughs> like oh every third dumpster right <laughs> yeah i think uh what you're talking about though about where you kind of disregard your overall health and well-being and finances mm -hmm. to right. pursue the thing you love right i i it's so hard to justify that to anyone else but yourself, right? Because, you, like, when I when I picked up, I I honestly before I started comedy, had never even considered stand up or even thought about it. Um, and I just got like, I was super depressed in college, and I think just one night I got really drunk and what? Because prior to this, all I knew about stand up was like blue collar comedy tour shit like that and i got really drunk one night and i watched um stanhope special beer hall putsch have you seen it i have yeah 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 and i, I just remember watching it and like realizing oh it, can this can this be what comedy like can you do this like is this acceptable and i just went to an open mic the next night and like right away felt that i had a knack for it like i was like oh this is like this is the thing I'm good at. This is my calling. It wasn't, right. it wasn't something I'd ever really thought about that much before. And so I, I think it's weird. Like when you find your calling, when you realize what your talents are after exploring a number of things, you realize what you're talented at, you just have to go for it. No matter how much you get fucked <laughs> by life along the way. I, I think I said this, I, I think I have it written on my wall. I, I said, what you want has a better chance of finding you if you're looking for it. If, unless you, you, you can't just like, I guess in that way, just the quote being like, you can't go, well, I'm not good at anything. Well, got to just go be a nine to fiver and just, you know, get on the, get on the <laughs> like conformity track and, just live this life that I'm a spectator to versus right. being a, an intentional creator in your existence and really going out there and making your dreams work for you. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's scary. I, I understand why most following your dreams is a uh, foolish thing to do. It, it'll, you'll have a decade of misery before you find any, before you even start seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. So it is crazy. <laughs> so speaking of that, like the comedians who would say would stay inspirational for me, I thought that was a lot of Mitch Hedberg. Mitch Hedberg inspired me so much. And uh, he would say things that I still apply all the time, but he would say, man, I'm tired of following my dreams. I'm just going to ask them where they're going and I'll catch up with them later. <laughs> Yeah, I remember that. That's a good one. I mean, all of his jokes are good. Yeah. Hey, that's a good, I mean, yeah, if you want to talk about economy of language and trimming right. the fat, you know, no better example right, right there. Well, he did this bit where he would say, the great thing about tennis is no matter how good you get at tennis, you'll never be as good as the wall. <laughs> right. <laughs> I took that and I, I brought it home with me. I chewed on it like it was a piece of gum. And I was like, I started comparing that to uh, speaking to difficult people 
speaking to difficult people, they're the wall, and I'm trying to be a good tennis player. And I'm never be as good as that. So some of it is like I wind up just roofing that tennis ball instead of instead of having a, a good volley back and forth because I, I'm not getting anywhere with it. And I can only roof so many tennis balls because there's only like three or four in the can. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. – I don't know. I, I it, During the pandemic <laughs> – I've been thinking a lot about why did I move to New York to pursue this? Yeah. But it is like, I don't know. It's uh, like when you feel like you have to do something, you just have to do it. So what, when did you start the loud boys? We started it like right before Corona hit. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We started maybe January or February of last year. You doing it in the studio or are you doing it virtually? We've, I don't know if we've ever stepped foot in a studio to record it. We were just doing it in like whoever had uh, uh, an apartment available, whether, whether Robbie's roommates didn't mind or Joe's, you know, it was just whoever had a space. Right. Um, yeah, we would do it in person. And then the pandemic hit and we've been um, doing, doing them virtually and then getting together when all of us are in town at least. Yeah. But um, yeah, we probably started about a year ago. Okay. Well, how, how do you like it? I mean, is it, is it, do you, do you take from shows that you like and try to like, like follow that formula in a way? Um, I mean, I, we, so we all are big fans of various podcasts and you could definitely hear the influence throughout our episodes, but we're starting to move away to figure out what our own chemistry is. I I feel like we're starting to find our own groove. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, there's definitely inspirations that we have that, and there are times when after an episode, I'm like, guys, we're starting to sound way too much like come town. Like, let's take it down a notch and not (laughs) sound like that show this much. People are going to call us on that. Uh, So yeah, for sure. At least you've got people to call you on it. It's not like you're just doing it to nobody. Dude, i tell you what, man. As I love stand up. That's like mm-hmm. my the thing I really love and I want to do, and that fulfills me creatively. But podcasting at this point might be a more lucrative venture because I've gotten more. This is the only thing I've ever done that's stuck. That's like gotten <laughs> me fans, gotten people to like listen to me. Uh, so I don't know. Podcasting rocks, dude. It's just <laughs> I, I prefer stand up. Yeah, I mean. I the way I I word it, and I, please feel free to to borrow this and apply it if it applies. Uh, I always say the the podcast feeds the the comedy, the comedy feeds the wrestling, the wrestling feeds the the acting, the the comedy acting right back to the comedy, right back to the it, it all feeds itself. It's all a cyclical thing. So and Ouroboros. <laughs> Do you know what an Ouroboros is? Ouroboros. No. Ouroboros? It's the, the snake eating its own tail. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's exactly that. Yeah. It's the snake that eats its tail. Yes. Yeah. But still gets full and never runs out of tail. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know a lady who has that tattooed on her. That's funny. It's a cool tattoo. It's a cool image. Mm-hmm. That yeah. and the "Don't Tread on Me" snake. I'm I'm upset that the "Don't Tread on Me" snake got co-opted by like Q and all them, 
Because the don't tread on me snake rocks. Well, I would I think, get that tattoo. I was just hearing it on, I think Neil Brennan's ta- uh, Neil Brennan's podcast when he was like, "Oh, the lady holding the don't tread on me flag got trampled." How perfect is that? Like, no, you couldn't write that. That's perfect. yeah. Is I mean that is funny, but also what a ch- they've taken my snake from me. They've taken my beautiful don't tread on me snake. <laughs> so, um. I think what you do, like I, I've noticed it from, you know, just when, when we were guests together on the thing is, when I noticed that you have the sincerity to you and I wanted to take the time right now because this, this shit, this shit's outliving us, dude. This shit's outliving us. This, this, this right now for us is going to be a different right now that maybe we're laughing about in a year. Right. Who, who knows? Who knows what it's going to be like? But before before it before it changes in any way, I just want to make sure I let you know on the record that I I feel that way, and I feel that uh, you you're you're bright in this, and you're genuine, and I appreciate that, and I'm glad that we met in a weird way. You know what I mean? We did yeah. we, we did meet in a very weird way. You but you I'm might even say we've we still haven't met. We've just, we're no. looking at screens. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but but we know each other now. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I'm glad I'm glad that I that I that I got to meet you. Quote mode, meet you. Unquote mode. Oh yeah, no, you're cool. I'm glad we got to meet. It's it's weird though because I hate doing virtual. St- it's so hard to have real conversation this way. But you're a cool guy. All right, awesome. I love it. I'll accept that compliment cool guy i won't tell anybody that i'm a cool guy because if i say i'm a cool guy and then two seconds later i say something that makes me seem incredibly uncool i'm all i'm not only uncool but i'm a liar because i said it was cool so be careful how you identify (laughs) (laughs) but anyway continue i'm very genuine (laughs) yeah (laughs) but dude you're you're so funny i haven't i haven't listened to any of your stand-up but i can tell that I could tell that you're, you know, that you get it. And usually it's like you you get a feel for somebody when you're like, yeah, they, they get it. They get it. Right. And I'm, I'm glad I see that you get it. And uh, yeah, no, I appreciate it. They're, they're, it's, it's, it's so tough being in comedy. Like, cause you, you, yeah, you understand that you could just tell when somebody gets it. Right. And to have comics come up to me, want to talk to me and ask my tips and thoughts and all that. It's like, mm-hmm. well, what I really want to say in this moment, it's a certain open micers is like, you should find something else to do. <laughs> 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 but I can't, I can never say I couldn't hurt someone like that. Right. So, right. you know, but you, yeah, you're right. You could tell when someone gets it, when someone does it. And the arts are flooded with so many people who don't get it right now. Just people right. who, People who grew up being told it's okay to chase your dreams, but no one ever told them it's also okay to give up on them. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I think is I this think inspiring? It, it, it is. It is because it, it's very much like you're you you don't really know. Sometimes you don't know what you really truly want until what you truly really want finds you the same thing you said with comedy like you didn't know it was a thing and then 
And then you found it and you're like, wow, this is what I was meant to do. So maybe if you think that you want something, maybe that's not for you as much as the other thing. The other thing that is for you is trying to find you, but you're busy doing something that isn't that. Yeah, dude. I, I mean, because I'm I'm an example of this. When, when I was in high school and maybe first year of college all through that time, I thought I wanted to be a musician. You know, I had all these guitars I bought and all these different. I wanted to be like, who was I a fan of at the time? I was a bit in high school was when I discovered Rush. So I really wanted to be like Alex Lifeson, the guitarist for Rush, which is a weird uh, dream to have because he's the least memorable member of the band. <laughs> but, you know, I, I wanted to be a musician and I was embarrassingly bad at it, like to to the point where I look back on it is like I should have known that I was never going to be able to figure this out because I practiced plenty, but just never, never could wrap my head around how to create music. And so, yeah, I mean, I gave up on that, what I thought was my dream and piddled around doing other things and then landed on comedy and was like, oh, here's the thing I have a knack for. So, yeah, if you know, when, when I see people who don't have a knack for something, I wish I could just grab them and say, go look, go do other things, explore, don't waste your years bombing at open mics. Well, dude. I was just talking about the the amount of people like this one kid. He's like, he's at Philly open mics and he, I don't, I don't want to say his name or anything, but he does like racist and rapey jokes and all this stuff. And he bums every time no one ever understand. And he's been doing it for like 10 years. And it's the same jokes that don't get over but he's still trying to make them happen. And he's, and then he like turns it on the people like, ah, whatever the other room got it. Oh, you guys just suck. And it's like, maybe, uh, maybe instead of blaming other people for sucking, realize that you've got three other fingers pointing right at you. You're the one who might suck. Yeah. I mean, here, here, here's my thing. I think if you've been doing, cause stand up has such a, uh, an objective result to it where it's like you kind of know if you're doing well because either the audience will laugh or they won't every now and then the audience might be laughing at something ironically like that you're not even aware of why they're laughing but for the most part you kind of know if you're doing well or not and it's crazy when i see people who have never had a good set somehow convince themselves that they did well or they're getting laughed like there is a and Mike Rebelia said this. This is this is like a thing I, I say he's inspiring to me because he's like, oh, there's a level of delusion involved with it. Like the first time you get up there and you bomb, you're like, well, I was pretty good. Let me go back and do it again. Like, uh, like so being able to recognize that you do have that delusion. You do have that delusion. How long does that delusion carry you until like it's sad? Yeah. No, the delusion is very necessary starting right. out because it's like any sane person would the first time you bomb, they would go, you know what? I never have to feel that again. That's the worst thing that's ever happened to me. But comics, you know, a lot of uh, we, we all just want to keep going back. You know, we're we're at the crabs table, dude. We're like, something's got to come up eventually. Yeah, I, I have I've gone into never wearing shirts 
that have something that people like on it. Like I always have to have blank shirts or something blank so that, so after, after the set, someone can't call up to me and go, Oh, your shirt's great. I'm like, no, the jokes is what I want you to pay attention to the jokes. And, uh, there's a, a Philly, a Philly comedian, um, his name, Joey doc. I quote him all the time in saying this, but he, he used to have this bit where he would say, uh, someone came up to me after, after a show and said, Oh man, you're so brave. You're so brave up there. And he's like, yeah, but I was going for fun. <laughs> yeah, I know, dude. <laughs> yeah. So like, uh, yeah, I, I, I was wearing like a Patty's Irish pub shirt at, at an open mic and someone came up to me and said, Oh, that's a great shirt. I'm like, what about the jokes? Can you talk to me I about would, it? I, if you're going to wear, I don't mind if you have like a graphic tee on, mm-hmm. don't wear something that's funnier than your, that references something funnier <laughs> than your set. You right. know, I see right. people going on stage all the time wearing like shirts for, from their favorite sitcoms or even like a stand up comedian shirt. And it's like, right. don't remind these people that they could be having a better time. <laughs> you're not as funny as the content that you're, that you're, that you're purchasing. Yeah, exactly. Like if you were to wear what you're wearing, uh, oh wait, no, that's Conan O'Brien, not Conan the Barbarian. Never mind. Don't wear that on stage. No, never, never, never. <laughs> if it was Conan the Barbarian, I'd be like, hell yeah, dude, wear that all you want. <laughs> uh, I, I, uh, I, w- I did a, I did a roast battle, but it was like a on the spot roast battle where like you're supposed to see somebody and just like you know kind of judge them and make jokes about them, right. but. Uh, the guy was like, he was like, Hey, you look like, you look like Aquaman got fashion tips from Johnny Depp. And I was like, I like both of those things that you just said. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> so, so you just look like the, the Jason Momoa Aquaman. <laughs> yeah. like, uh, those are things that I'm happy about. <laughs> uh, please don't compare me to any other handsome, funny men. Please don't do that. Yeah. I'm not here for that. Speaking of, this is a tangent. I just recently have you ever seen What's Eating Gilbert Grape? Oh boy, like in the nineties, probably. Dude, I can't believe that that's like a revered movie because I watched it the other night for the first time. It is, it's crazy. Remember that scene in Tropic Thunder where he talks about going full retard? Mm-hmm. Leo DiCaprio goes full retard in this movie. He is like twitching and doing all the. <laughs> And then the mom is like so fat she can't even walk. And the plot of the movie is Johnny Depp's just pissed because his fucking retarded brother and obese mom are stopping him from getting pussy. <laughs> it's a crazy movie, dude. He's just like, man, I want to get out of this town, but my mom's fat and my brother's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> you just gave away the plot. The, the know, question dude. was, what is eating Gilbert Grape? Answer, my mom's fat and my brother's dumb. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, much, that's the whole it's crazy it's a crazy movie anyway yeah johnny depp's hot and if you were aquaman getting fashion advice from him, you look pretty good oh, thank you thank you <laughs> appreciate that <laughs> but uh so i want to just two more things and then i'll send you off you can ride off into the sunset and get a handshake and a hot dog two more things uh one being like I like I like to tell I like to say to you, I probably said it to you earlier about how I appreciate all this stuff being on the record. I appreciate this stuff outliving us. Uh, I appreciate the fact that uh, 
you know, when we're we're not here, the people that we love are going to come back and listen to this and understand who we truly were. Hopefully, ideally, uh, in in this moment, I want you to take. I call it audio time travel. So I want you to travel into what maybe 20, 25, 30 years from now. Whoever loves you is listening to to hear what Dalton Pruitt was really like and what messages he can deliver to them in order to help them have a better tomorrow than today and inspire them to be better people. Oh my God. <laughs> I don't know if I'm the right guy to ask, dude. I'm a, I'm a mess. I mean, I'm a, well, I'm a degenerate, dude. I mean, I think all of that is very temporary. You know what I mean? So this is just, this is just a timestamp on 2021 inauguration day. Uh, who is Dalton Pruitt to tell dude. these people? I mean, it's, it's simple, but also difficult. Cause I, I grew up with, I grew up as an only child and my parents were two very lonely people as well. There was never, they never really had that many friends and my dad's not close with any of his family, except his mom, who's now passed away. My grandmother and my mom, it, it was very, it was kind of dysfunctional and very lonely because we were always moving and stuff. And so I, it took me a long time to realize how important it is to build like connections and bond with other people and don't be afraid to let people in, you know, and don't be afraid to, uh, I mean, don't overshare right away. Like you said, don't lead with your damage, but also don't, don't be afraid to open up to people and to let other people in. Cause it's like, you know, at the end of the day, that's kind of all we have is each other. So I think that's the most important thing more than success, more than financial, whatever more than any of that is just like you know call your mom and dad you know make sure that you're on good terms with them if you if you're able to uh call your friends just yeah just don't don't worry about the minutia and tedium of everyday life live what there's a movie uh i'm referencing a lot of movies there's a movie called world of tomorrow by don hertzfeld have you seen that no um there's a line in it where uh, a character says to another character, I don't want to spoil the movie because it's great, but she says to this other character, uh, live well and live broadly. Don't get lost in trivial detail. And that's kind of what I, how I kind of try to approach things is like live as big as you can, but don't worry too much about success or finances or just unimportant shit. Just care, love the teachings of Christ. Love one another. <laughs> it's 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 weird because I I I say um like in in the in the the relative term right. So let's say there's 24 hours in a day, 24 full hours in a day. Something happens in one second that it's one second of all of those 24 hours. And it ruins your entire day, right? Well, maybe, maybe, maybe you should not let things ruin your day, and then your days will not know what being ruined is like, and you'll enjoy yourself right. while you're yeah. alive. Yeah, and I, if I'm talking to people 30 years from now, if the internet is still around, uh, don't look at social media too much. <laughs> That's ruined us because 
I don't think people realize that, yeah, there is a person on the other end of whatever was typed, but by the time it gets to you, it's, it's just ones and zeros on a phone. It doesn't mean anything. It's, so it, there's no reason to let that get in your head. It's like road rage. Yeah. It's this, it's virtual road rage. It's like, you just got You got enough of it when yeah. you're out on the roads. And, and, and my thing is I love truly, I love to complain. It doesn't mean that I hate the thing I'm complaining about. I just love complaining and looking at social media scratches that itch too much for me. And then I end up just getting mad, but I just enjoy complaining. So I don't know. So I, I, yeah, I think it's, it's important now more than ever, especially to just be kind to one another, love one another and, you know, check in every once in a while. This is the second time I've, I, I've, uh, I've thought about referencing Incubus, the band Incubus. Um, Hell yeah. They have a, they have a song uh, in the newest album where they say, you're a snake that eats its tail. And you Ouroboros. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that was called Ouroboros, but thank you for teaching me that. And uh, in, in the, there's an older song of theirs called The Warmth. And that's, I think that kind of wraps up what you were saying in a, in a, in a kind of a pretty package and say, don't let the world bring you down. Not everyone here is that fucked up and cold. Remember why you came and while you're alive, experience the warmth before you grow old. Yeah, of course, of course. Heaven is a place on earth. We can, it's it the kingdom of heaven is here with us now. We just have to access it by loving one another. I mean, I it bothers me now that uh nowadays that because I, I grew up in the church, I grew up down south, you know, I grew up uh in all kinds of different churches and studied the Bible a lot as a kid. And yeah, I mean, a lot of the it's a lot of the old testament certain things are kind of goofy but at its core when you study the teachings of christ it's a very simple message which is just be kind to one another and love each other and a lot of people seem to don't they don't want to hear that <laughs> it's it's crazy how the more that things change the more they stay the same well, that's a rush lyric but at the same time I have to say, it goes back to something you said about yourself. So many people just love to complain. And I think so many people just love to to try to not be told what to do. People rebel against being told what to do. So if people are being told to be good to each other, like it's like, how dare you try to tell me what to do? How dare you try to tell me to be a good person? Then I'm going to rebel against that because I like to complain about the other the people who say that stuff also say this other stuff that I like to complain about. So it's just like falling into bullshit patterns that get you in your own way. Right. I mean, I I I think smarter minds than ours would call this the have the human condition, perhaps. <laughs> you know, yeah. cosmic joke. Yes. Yeah. Cause I, I look around and everybody's acting like uh like Today they were like, "This is a historic time," and I'm just like, "When has it not been? It's, it's all historic." I mean, when I was a kid, I watched the planes fly into the towers. How's you know? It's all there's always something happening. Look up a song from the '90s. Is it "Get What You Give" by the New Radicals? Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, here we go, folks. What are the lyrics to this song? Thanks for listening, everybody. Here we go. One, two, one, two, three. Ow. Wake up, kids. We got the dreamer's disease. Age 14. They got you down on your knees. So polite. You're busy still saying please. Frenemies who when you're down ain't your friend. Every night we smash a Mercedes Benz. First we run and then we laugh till we cry. But when the night is falling, you cannot find the light. Light. You feel your dreams are dying. Hold tight. You've got the music in you. Don't let go. You've got the music in you. One dance left. This world is going to pull through. Don't give up. You've got a reason to live. Can't forget. We only get what we give. I'm coming home, baby. Your tops. Give it to me now. 4 a.m. We ran a miracle mile. We're flat broke, but hey, we do it in style. The bad rich. God's flying in for your trial. But when the night is falling, you cannot find a friend. Friend, you feel your tree is breaking just then. You've got the music in you. Don't let go. You've got the music in you. One <laughs> dance left. This world is going to pull through. Don't give up. You've got a reason to live. Can't forget. You only get what you get. I read. I just read it like I was calling a ball game. <laughs> I was even singing. <laughs> so, it's like amateur hour. Yeah, the, I can't. Yeah, I can't wait to listen to that because it, it, it really is just me. It really, is just me being like 4 a.m. We got the dreamer's disease. <laughs> we do have the dreamer's disease. Yeah, but. Uh, you you were talking about religion. You growing up very very um, like structured in the religion. Uh, were you like fully into dogma since like you were in that like not the movie dogma, but like but, but I was into that movie. Yeah, the movie is great. I love the movie. Yeah. I was very into it as myself. But um, were you very much like buying everything as literal, or did you understand that these are metaphorical? These are these are oh, like I, I bought it as literal probably up until I went to college. Yeah. Because I, I the town I grew up in was like this very small insular religious town. So um yeah, it was just all around me. So yeah, I took it very literally. Uh and I, I start I think I started questioning it in high school. Uh, but it wasn't I didn't have the like Santa's not real moment until college. Did you did you lose anybody, like any family members? Did you have any like deaths, like friends or family members in in your circle? Deaths? Up? Yeah. Um, growing up, I'm trying to remember. Did I go to? Yeah my my grandpa died when I was uh, in high school. Yeah. And you were you were automatically like, he's he's in hell. He's in hell. Yeah, he's a bad guy. Okay, so <laughs> my family would hate me saying this. He he really was kind of a piece of shit. Do you still believe in the idea of heaven and hell being a physical place that you would go? 
man, I don't know. I mean, it's it, it, I this is where I miss religion because I at least had the for certainty that there was at least an afterlife that there was like a <laughs> it's like that Rick and Morty episode where like the guy was like, oh, I got to be killed by a true warrior then to get into heaven. And then Morty was like, oh, it must be nice to be like so sure. And the guy's like, wait, you have to be sure you have to have evidence. And then the, guy, <laughs> the guy goes out and gets hit by a car and dies. And then like demons come and drag him, come and drag him. from hell. He's like, I blame you. I yeah, blame that was what. Yeah, there was a. It's very comforting to have to, to be sure that there's like a structure to the universe, and we have the we have some answers. And then one, yeah, once you kind of start walking away from that, you find yourself in the darkness. I, I mean, I and I'm also just a super anxious guy, so I've had many a nights just not being able to sleep, being like, man, when I'm when I'm dead, is it just is that it? What is that like? What does it feel like to not exist? Is it, you know, just spinning in circles in my head. So. Yeah. I don't know if I believe in the Abrahamic vision of heaven and hell where it's like lake of fire, gnashing of teeth, whatever. And then heaven, golden streets, what all that. I, that's a little too, um, too nice and neat of a narrative. I think if there is, if, if whatever, whatever, we don't even know what consciousness is. It could just be uh, electrochemical reactions in the brain. But if there is like this, yeah, if there is like this transcendent spiritual right. consciousness, there's no possible way to fathom what what like what the transition is, like where it goes. Mm -hmm. So I think the goal while we're here is to keep it in mind, memento mori, you know, remember that death is real, but also try not to worry too much about it because there's no possible way to even fathom what it's going to be like. I, you know, it's funny. It's like a, uh, Brian Regan was a guest on Pete Holmes. And when he he asked him the question, like, what do you think happens when you die? Brian Regan responded with, it's the one question that everybody doesn't know, but everyone will eventually find out. <laughs> yeah. And and I I love that. And, and uh, he also asked that to Dana Carvey. And Dana Carvey said, um, where, where were you during the civil war? Right. You know, Pete was like, I, don't, I didn't exist. And he's like, well, you'll go back to that. And right. And so it, I, I find the weird, the weird, like tugging on like the cosmic spiritual, like, like relationship with the, the planet and the stars. Like, I feel that, that energy i feel that pull to be spiritual but then i feel uh, the hypocrisy in me going like what if i just don't exist anymore what if i just don't exist who knows but it, i it's more about affecting the lives that i can affect while I, while i'm here and even if those lives get affected by me after i'm not here anymore because I have the opportunity, the platform to build a voice that might speak to somebody who wants to hear it. While I'm not right. here, I will still be somewhat existing. And I feel like when I, a couple of years ago, I lost one of my best friends. Um, and we talked about we talked about death all the time. 
and um i think i think i haven't seen anything or like he doesn't visit me or anything it's not like it's not anything it's just like i feel like he's with me when i'm thinking of him his his memory and his words and the testimony that is the the lessons i learned through aaron ganey are more of Aaron Ganey visiting me, I feel more visited by him when I'm thinking of him than him actually being here. Like it's, that was his human shell. That was his meat suit. Yeah. Yeah. I, I also, I lost a friend recently. Um, and I do find myself, we, he was a kind of a curmudgeon. He was a funny, hilarious guy. One of the funniest dudes I've ever met, but he was very guarded to everyone except like a select few people. And I don't think I was ever one of those people, but I do find myself uh, thinking about him a lot. Cause he had, he had one of the best Twitter accounts out there. I still look through his tweets because <laughs> yeah. he had some of the funniest tweets out there, but he was just like, yeah, he was a super sweet guy. who had a lot of smart things to say. And I do find myself looking back on conversations I've had with him. And I understand that feeling where it's like, yeah, it does feel like in those moments when you're remembering them, it does feel like they're here with you. Mm -hmm. Well, it's also like (laughs) how, how arrogant am I to believe that he doesn't have more important things to do than be around me all the time. He had kids. He had, (laughs) you know what I mean? He had other stuff way more pressing than what, his buddy Corey's thinking about, you know what I mean? Right. And I, I just, um, it, it, it just, I want to, I want to say like, it, it doesn't pull hope away from me. The think that it's just, it's dead over, but it's like, I can, I can affect people by visiting them in their earphones. I can affect people by visiting them in the memories they have of me. Right. And inspiring in a way, you know, and and I'd rather have that power. I'd rather have that strength than be able to haunt people. (laughs) Right. Right. I'm not angry enough to want to haunt anybody. See, I want to live forever, dude. I keep hearing about these. Have you heard of telomeres? No, it's like they, they 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 theorize that this might be what causes aging is this like cell or something in your body. They notice that as you age, it gets longer and more frayed, whatever this is. And they suspect that this might have something to do with the aging process. And uh, some scientists are working on is there a way to to repair these telomeres? I'm hoping I can live long enough till they figure that out and then I can achieve immortality and then one day witness the heat death of the universe. I want to tell you about this idea I have. Okay. And you might enjoy it. Uh, I, 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 I've not, I've not taken the steps to actually make a script out of this, but I have an idea for something. If someone's hearing this and wants to do something with it, talk to me about it. But for sure, I, 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 I want to do a thing where I'm saying, you know, I don't know. You might be too young to remember this, but Y2K, when they were saying Y2K is going to be a thing. Right. Where, yeah, where I remember that. The world's going to end. So I was thinking to go, well, in the year 2000, the world does end. But 
it doesn't end for the fact that like anything explodes and people die. It's that it's that new people stop being made, right? So it it winds up being also that you die the year that you're born. So let's say I was born in 83, I lived to 83 and I die. And mm-hmm. if someone's born in the year 2000, they don't live. If someone's born in 2001, they live to one and then they die. Someone's born in 2002, they live to two, they die. So I think I wanted to do something with maybe the the rich elite have been able to hack that somehow. But now this this introduction of this idea that, what is it called? Mirror? Telomeres? Telomeres. Yeah. yeah. So maybe now with a little bit of like that, maybe maybe that's something I could dive a little bit into later to like to brainstorm with somebody if somebody else wants to like get in on writing that with me cool let's do it yeah i mean i don't um i mean while we're talking about this i don't really understand longevity honestly <laughs> i don't know why people want to live for as long as possible i was like, like i ain't here for a long time i was here for a good time you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. but i mean yeah i don't it feels like um we've turned life into like a game of uh, asteroids where people are keep trying to get the, the highest score, even mm. when it comes to age. And mm. it's like, you know, when I look at somebody like Dick Van Dyke, it's like, Hey man, he made it to like a hundred. Cool. But I don't know why that's everyone's goal. I, I, that is a weird thing. I, I guess it's like a natural survival instinct. Well, it's, it's a FOMO. Yeah. 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 <laughs> if you're not here, you're missing out on something. That's true. I think I think it's all it's also the fear of the unknown, you know, it's fear of uh, it's it's just being scared. That's true. Yeah. You're not brave because you live long. You're scared because you live. Long. <laughs> that, that is wise, my friend, because <laughs> most old people seem terrified all the time. <laughs> like any minute now, it's around the corner. <laughs> <laughs> the the uh the way i normally wrap it up is uh i uh i normally ask the um the guest hypothetically i've gifted you i've gifted you this show okay so this was the pilot episode of your new podcast evolving with dalton pruitt mm-hmm. uh, so in your pilot episode, in a very Jerry Springer's final thought, wrap this up in a pretty bow where, where uh, people can take the lessons to be a better version of themselves tomorrow as they were today. Well, let's start with the golden rule. Treat others the way you want to be treated. Right there. I mean, there's a reason it's the golden rule, and I, I do believe that. I, I I mean, it's it's crazy how simple things are. It's just hard to do them. I think, yeah, be kind, love one another, uh, live well, live broadly, read lots of books, do lots of things, travel, explore, live life. Just live, just live, baby. No, I mean, we're only here for, you know, anywhere from one to a hundred years, you know, however long we're here, just, mm-hmm. uh, don't be afraid, live, love, love, love people, treat people well. It's, it's simple, dude. It's simple. 
<laughs> try, but don't try, but also try. <laughs> Which I stole from a TV show. That's, I like. a great, that's a great show. I love the show. I, yeah. I, I hope they're doing another season. I, I hope so, man. I, I was blown away by that. And you're the only person I've ever talked to about it that's also watched it. Oh, I love it. I watched I've tried it. talking to everyone about that. And they're like, I've never heard of it. I'm like, this is the fucking coolest show. Anyway, this episode brought to you by Undone on Amazon Prime. Please watch Undone. We gotta get a second season. Was it real? I mean, never mind. I don't want to spoil it. <laughs> but um, yesterday, I did uh, an episode with uh, with this comic Renee who lives in Denver. He said he did this impression of Alf at the end of the show, where he said, "Hey, Willie," like Alf. Do you know Alf? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, I'm going to end every episode with the guests saying, hey, Willie, and their best Alf impression. And he said, I'll believe it when I see it. So I figure from now on, this being the first episode since I recorded that one, could you end the podcast on your end by, by plugging all the things that you want to plug, and then at the end of it, be Alf and say, hey, Willie. Okay, well, we'll start the plugs. Um, yeah, listen to my podcast that I record with my pals Joe Gorman and Robbie Goodwin. Our show is called The Loud Boys. You can follow us on all social media at Loud Boys Pod. Uh, if you'd like to follow me on social media, my name is Dalton Pruitt. Might be easiest just to search my name because my Twitter handle is at NewDalton69420. And my Instagram handle is at saltydalty69420. And so, and here we go. I've never watched an episode of ALF. I'm familiar with the character and I will do my best impression of this uh, catchphrase. Hey, Willie. (laughs) That was perfect. That's the best one I've ever heard. (laughs) I'm gonna I'm gonna tell everybody that it's the best one I've ever heard. Yeah. Hey, how about a Chinese elf and his name is Arf? Okay. Do it. <laughs> That's the least best one I've ever heard. <laughs> but but uh, I I want to make sure I let you know uh, how much I appreciate you spending the currency of your time and your effort on hanging with me and. Anybody listening, how much I appreciate you spending your currency, that is your time and your effort, on listening to me and Dalton BS for two hours. And uh, and seriously, if this is your first time listening to Evolving with Corey Castle, go back and listen to the other 200 and some episodes. And, you know, uh, subscribe so that you get new episodes every single Monday at noon, noon Eastern Standard Time. Also... You know, check out check out my other podcast called Rassle Rock, R-A-S-S-L-E Rock, which I host with Mark Kalbacher and Rick Connor. And uh, you know, follow follow me on YouTube and make sure make sure you keep letting me know you exist. I want to hear that feedback. I want to hear I want to hear what you like, what you didn't like. You want me to shut up? You want me to stop telling the same stories over and over again? Subscribe to a different podcast. Sorry, but I appreciate your feedback. <laughs> I. I do, I do really appreciate it. And I want to be a resource to anybody, especially 
want to tell you right now, Dalton, if there's ever a moment where you need a friend or you need a resource in some way, if you need somebody to be a guest on your show, if you need uh, some advice, if you want a friend, just judgment free conversation, absolutely reach out to me. I'm here for you. I'm glad we're friends now. And this is just the beginning. And anybody who's listening and hearing the sound of my voice, if you feel like if you feel like you're alone and you got nobody to talk to because everyone's going to judge you, I'm not hard to get a hold of. Follow me on Twitter at Corey Castle, as it's written on the screen, C-O-R-Y-K-A-S-T-L-E. Also, follow me on Instagram. D- jump into my DMs, bro. I- I'm not big enough to not answer you. I'm a human person, just like you. Be fun, have safe, keep evolving. <laughs> Thanks, Tom. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me, man. That was that was fun. That was a good, engaging conversation.